If you've ever wondered about what goes on behind the scenes at restaurants, then you're in the right place. This podcast takes you inside the minds of restaurant owners, chefs, bartenders, servers, basically anyone who has anything to do with food, drink, or hospitality. I'm Brady Vixilio, owner of Steinhober's Restaurant in La Bella Italia on Laskin Road in Virginia Beach. Welcome to The Check Podcast. Now I'm Alvin Williams, co-host of The Check and owner of Cobalt Grill Restaurant at Hilltop in Virginia Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We'll be talking about restaurants, people who work in restaurants, who own restaurants, and the people who like to dine in restaurants. Today we have none other than Chris Savides as a guest. Welcome, Chris. Hey, good to be here. Chris, welcome to The Check. Chris is the owner of Black Angus Restaurant and Catering, also a third generation uh, restaurant owner and operator like me. In fact, I was talking to my mom earlier today, and one of her first jobs was working for your grandfather. Actually working for my dad. I remember working for your dad. I remember he told me, because we relate a story and your mom, I saw her at uh, Restaurant Depot once and she was telling me, that she worked there, and my dad said to her first thing, he said, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and then she said the one time, and one time she remembered about my dad, he was expediting on the line, and he took a baked potato and threw it at the cook. Yeah. And she was like, I guess she knew what that was all about, but it was kind of funny. It's just like, I, 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 haven't, I don't think I get away with throwing a baked potato across the line. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Alvin's been known to throw a saute pan. Well, that was when I was younger and a little more... Uh, different so last week <laughs> <laughs> no. you know there's there's no need for that kind of stuff it's a different generation of, of growing up through the kitchens and unfortunately we don't behave like that anymore yeah no throwing of copper pans but i really know how to duck because you've had a few I've had you coming your way <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not all you do is it chris no and that's a lot of things dovetail into um the restaurant business the owners are involved in a lot of things. And one of the things I've been involved in is um, advocating for the business or the industry, working with the associations, trying to make sure that we're well, well represented. And I've been involved in the Virginia Beach Restaurant Association, the state association, was chair both those and committee work, lobbying. And um, I've been pleased and honored to actually be appointed to and have been serving on the board of directors of the National Restaurant Association since 2015. And it's been quite an incredible experience. It's an, an honorable post. Can you tell us a little bit more about your actual restaurant and why that's led you to be such an activist for all of this? I would say 100% because of my father. Watching how he was involved, not only in the community, doing just being involved in all the different aspects, being civically minded and, and in, involved in different areas. He was, as things come about, and it actually started with liquor by the drink. He was instrumental in helping restaurants get the ability to have liquor by the drink in Virginia, or lobbied very heavily for that, and ended up getting it when he was our age, um, working in the restaurants. And then I just saw how he was involved and how he took time out of his day and his week to get involved, to, to go to Richmond to lobby. And then I got involved locally and just things from, you know, um, parking regulations on Atlantic Avenue to regulations and different taxes and things like that. And it just kind of followed his lead on it. And then what is interesting though, that I think that kind of fueled it is that most people think that you can't have an impact when you do that stuff. 
that the politicians are set in the ways and a lot of a lot of cases it is, but there's very there's a lot of instances where you actually do have an opportunity to educate and and change the course of action that if you weren't involved it never would change. So because maybe the politicians are not on the ground floor and they don't really understand what's going on, so they need someone to explain to them. Exactly. What's, and what's your father's name? Michael. Michael. We've all had a challenging year uh, due to COVID. How um, has this affected your restaurant with sales? And have you done the pivot towards delivery service? And how has it affected your catering since, you know, the governor only allows so many people, you know, to gather together for parties and stuff? Well, it has been trying and I will try and keep this a family oriented commentary (laughs) um, with my (laughs) comments on the restrictions. But uh, to put it bluntly, our catering business is gone. Um, I'm not sure it's, I mean, I think there's an opportunity for it to come back, but with a lot of the catering is built with folks that are part-timers and you have key people and you need that revenue to keep those folks involved, especially your key people. And with one thing with a restaurant, it sales go continue. So somewhat the catering, it stopped completely and there was no way to keep people on board and to, and they've since moved on and to start that up again and start over from scratch when I'm not even sure the restaurant is going to be on uh, on eight all eight cylinders over the next couple of years it's a little bit challenging and if there's going to be um, restrictions on the social arrangements I mean we would have a couple of years ago we would do close to 60 plus events in December alone yeah we do all property catering this year we did zero yeah. yeah, I had a similar experience. I mean, it's our bread and butter at Steinhobers is the larger groups, and yeah. December's always our busiest month. Yeah. And, and we do off-site, we do on-site, and December was one of our worst months this year. That's devastating. That's like losing yeah. an arm. I mean, no, it's, real. And they're talking about, you know, this industry on the, the, the talking point is we're 5% profitable at the end of the year on a good year, you know, and that ranges anywhere if you're, depending on what type of restaurant, anywhere from 3 to maybe 10%. You know, when you all said and done, catering was roughly 30% of my revenue. And then on top of that, then you've got COVID affecting the restaurant itself. I mean, we didn't have the first round of PVP. I don't know if I'd be talking to you right now as a restaurant owner. Were you able to do any delivery? We played with that. And right now I'm actually trying to pivot to do that more. But hey, honey, what are you going to have for dinner tonight? Let's call out and get filet mignons. Yeah just doesn't play right so we we do that and last year we did a we did a different menu and it worked well because everybody was out looking for things to support restaurants and right now i'm actually toying with a possible um, ghost kitchen where we utilize our staff kitchen etc but we might do a different menu that's virtual um yeah i think we're all looking at that yeah (laughs) so i mean so basically to stay alive we have to you know, pivot and change and come up with different menu mm-hmm. ideas and concepts, not something that, that we're specialized in doing or that we're used to doing just to keep breathing. So one of the things that I've been, it's been a hot button for me that I'd like to touch on is the uh, third party delivery structure. And a lot of people don't know exactly how that goes. They charge you 30% off the top. I think we should say at this point, if there are small children listening, there could be some curse words, <laughs> curse words coming up. <laughs> well, I mean, let's go back to what Chris said. You're looking at 
would you say zero to ten percent at the end of the year? Three to three to ten, I think, was your number. Yes. If if you're if you're having a, a good year, it's ten. If you're having a bad year, it's three. I mean, I've seen less than that. But when you take thirty percent off of your gross to go sales, that cuts into your three to ten percent. Well, basically, explain how it works. So we have uh, a third party service such as Grubhub. DoorDash, uh, Uber Eats, Uber Eats. Who else? Is Postmates. Postmates. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have our menus. The the customer goes online to their service, and they order our food through them. And those people charge us, the restaurant, the person who's putting out the food. They charge us up to thirty percent. More, more, thirty percent or more, of, because or they more have the uh, of the cost. They add on uh, these marketing things and all yeah. kinds. Of, they have all these little fine print items that they'll add on. Yeah. So basically, we as restaurateurs are working for these companies so that our clients can get our food. Right. And we get very little, if any, profit. What it does for us, the only thing that it really does for us in the uh, in, on the books is it it's marketing. It, it yeah. exposes your, your product to maybe a different group and of it people. Keeps, and it keeps our people employed in the kitchens. So they, sure they have something employed. to do, and then they get a paycheck, and yeah. But on every on every meal that goes out on that third party, I, I see it as a loss. Yeah. To the point where the other day was Valentine's weekend, and we were naturally busy because it was a busy time. Mm-hmm. The lovers are out, and they want to eat. So I cut the platforms off. I says, I'm, I, I can't work for these people while we have a natural you know, uh, flow of people coming in. Because you can't serve them and do all that because you only have so much staff now as well. Well, let's talk about what's the better way to support restaurants. Best way to support restaurants, customers, is to call the restaurant itself. Yes. And go and pick it up. And go and pick it up. Right. That's the best way. Yeah. Well, a gentleman, a friend of mine's got some restaurants in Northern Virginia, and he brought something to like, because I was not going to do it because 30% is ridiculous. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, but he said he he's changed his mind on it to a certain degree because the people he is getting through these delivery services are not his normal customer base. So, so to his point, he thinks that he's getting a different market. Right. It's, it's all incremental income to yeah. him that he not, otherwise would not have made that sale. Yeah. Well, that's a tough one to so swallow, when you look, but it's a, when you look at that 30% that you take off your, your top, your bottom line, if you were just a kitchen producing food to go, that, that might be okay. But as long as you're serving guests in your restaurant and that's cutting into that service, Right. It's it's a different it, it it's kind of two different businesses. And it almost needs to be looked at as two two different businesses. For me, uh, there's very little profit in that side if any. My alternative is my my POS system has a, a to go to go and delivery situation built into it with an app online and they charge $7.50 per delivery. Um mm. and under $50 I charge $5 to the guest and over $50, I just pick up the whole thing. So it's a flat rate, no matter what they order, they can order, um, you know, one cannoli or dinner for 12. But again, the best way to help out restaurants is for customers to call the restaurants. To direct go, go, go directly to the restaurants, go directly yes. to the restaurant yeah. website, go directly to the, to the, to the restaurant and phone. And they'll pay less and for the food. They'll pay less for the we food. we actually have to hike the prices of the food up exactly. on those, you know, Grubhub and well, that's Postmates sites. People complain. They say, oh, I got, I got Grubhub and it just yeah. didn't seem like a good value to me. Well, well it's not. Yeah. 
Well, it's clearly not. It's it's thirty percent more. You're paying for that convenience mm-hmm. of someone, you know, bringing it to your to your house. But you know, meantime, we've got to pay for putting it together and the product and the to go boxes and the and the labor and it's you know. Well, I think you really hit it. I mean, especially in this time when everybody's struggling to make things happen. If you want to help restaurants, order call restaurant, order it on their webpage, and go down and pick it up. If they don't offer delivery service themselves. I think that's key. And most of us have curbside pickup. So if you're still mm-hmm. scared of going into establishments and, and touching and that kind of stuff, you know, everyone's bringing it out to the curbside, wearing gloves, wearing masks. It's, it's still safe. And frankly, that's the best way to do it as well, because these third party people, you may order and they're not necessarily taking, going from the store to your place. They might be going to four or five different places before they get to you. That's so true. the quality of the food you're going to get is going to be questionable, um, regardless of how good it was when it got put in the box. There's another, um, I would say, elephant in the room of the restaurateur, an elephant in the dining room that I'd like to speak about, and I know that Chris wants to speak about it as well, and that's the, uh, the what is it, the Fair Wage Act, I believe? Raise the Wage Act. Raise the Wage Act. You know, I was talking to Alvin earlier about it, and I think we could really debate and, uh, the, uh, the advantages and disadvantages of a $15 minimum wage. But to remove the tip credit, that's just puts the, the final nail in the coffin of dining out. Well, let's state what is the Raise the Wage Act and what are they well, proposing to do? Let's start with the facts. Well, what, okay, yeah, and then we'll talk about what a tip credit is. Yeah, and why it's crap. Oh, sorry. Why is well, the, no, the, why, the tip why credit's the, not crap, but why they... Why, why, why taking away is why, crap. Yeah, why they're <laughs> abolishing it. Yeah, oh, trying to... What's buried in the bill is a lot of things, but essentially it is a stepping stone of raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour and then the abolition of or the elimination of the tip credit. I guess I'll just jump in and say what the tip credit is. Sure, yeah. yeah. Maybe you can explain it better than us. Everybody thinks servers get paid to 13 an hour. They don't. They're guaranteed minimum wage, and the reality is they make vastly more money than minimum wage. I mean, that's essentially what it is. All right, let's just pretend you're waiting on a table. Alvin and I are sitting here. We're having dinner. We have a $50 check. So we leave you a $10 tip. No, we leave you a, we leave you a $20 tip. We're feeling good tonight. So we leave you a $20 tip. You are going to walk out of this. For after one hour, you will have made $20, $22.13 is what you're going to walk out of the door with. Yes, because you got the tip, and plus you're going to get a cash wage from the owner of the restaurant for $2.13. So, the two so oh, oh, for if, uh, assuming that's, but you're waiting on multiple tables, so it's more than that. But, right, but just talking about just, one table. For, for, for one, one table, I'm working for an hour. Yeah. It's right. going to take me an hour to wait so, to wait on your table. So, okay. here it is. Now, everybody says, I only get paid two thirteen an hour. No, you get guaranteed minimum wage, which is seven twenty five right quarter. now. Yeah. And because the owner is allowed to acknowledge a portion of that $20 tip that we left as part of that $7.20. And that's $5.12 is the tip credit. We are allowed to take the tip and credit it towards the minimum wage to give you... So if if we stiffed you, you would have made $7.25 on that table because we would make, the restaurant owner would have to make good yeah. the minimum wage obligations. The tip credit is basically an acknowledgement of the tip as part of the income. And ultimately, you as a server are a commissioned salesperson. 
you're selling food inside the restaurant, you are making commission. And so many of our servers are, I mean, they don't want to be limited by a set minimum wage because they want the opportunity to make as much money as they possibly can. And they do. I mean, I think the national average for tip servers is, or at least in Virginia, these people that the politicians are accusing us of only paying two thirteen an hour are actually making on average, um, I think it's 16 to $20 an hour and bartenders are well over $25 an hour. And they earn it and they deserve it. Yes. And right. and it's it should be up to them to try and make as much and try and get the check average as high as they possibly can, sell the, sell the best things, make sure that our clients and customers have, have the best time. So we, we turn into Europe, basically, where we don't have, where tipping is no longer customary. And then the business owner decides who gets paid how much. Basically, we have, uh, which, which is, gives us some power, but mm-hmm. on the other side, it, it takes the power from the guest. There's more, there's more people that eat in restaurants than that own restaurants. I think, I think it gives the, the servers less incentive to do their job well, be nice, um, because they, they know they're only going to get paid so much anyway. They're going to get the same amount of money whether they sell that $100 bottle of wine or they keep that beverage filled up on your table or they bring your hot food, hot, cold food, cold. They're going to get the same amount. That's assuming that the uh, basically tipping goes away. And, yeah. and we fold the tip into the price of the meal. If you look at California right now and some of these other states where the tip credit has gone away, there are service fees that are tacked on top of that where the in order to for the restaurant to survive – because now they're paying out an exorbitant amount of money in payroll. So what a lot of restaurants would do would say, all right, we're going to add a 8% service charge. And then we're going to take that money and then distribute amongst all, have it offset some of that and also distribute amongst maybe the kitchen staff who couldn't get tips. Let's go back and think what we're selling. We're selling food. That food is, uh, is harvested one way or another. It comes off of boats. It comes off of uh, ranches. It comes out of farms. Um, all those businesses also have hourly wage. Take that boat, for example, the fishermen on the boat, they're going from maybe six, eight dollars, well, eight, ten dollars an hour to 15. Um, the people that put the diesel in the boat, they go from getting paid, you know, eight dollars to 15. So everything's just going to rise. Right. Everything. The guy that works on the boat. Yeah, that 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 changes the oil and the diesel. The, the fisherman, the guy who's picking the the cauliflower in the fields. If everyone goes up to fifteen dollars an hour, and we're paying dishwashers fifteen dollars an hour, so your cooks now who are this currently is, getting this fifteen dollars an hour, now you got to pay them at least twenty or twenty five dollars an hour because they they can't get right. I'm not getting. I'm a, I'm a I'm a cook. That's I'm what, not. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. It's so not then, just you're gonna have to raise the price of your your food on your menu. And it's the customers who are oh, like, well, why is my well, steak all of a sudden seventy dollars? The fish company and the and the and the everybody's going to have to yeah. raise the prices on their food. So if our raw material goes up uh, 10, 30, 40 percent, um, you know, it, an egg goes a, a dozen eggs, all of a sudden costs us fifteen, eighteen dollars. Uh, what's that going to do to a cake? Yeah, there's there's seven states that have eliminated the tip credit, and. Factual evidence there is prices have gone up for food between 30 and 50% on many items. And there's a very large national chain steak restaurant that we've been told unofficially um, that 
the only reason they stay in those states and continue is because they've figured out how to make their operation run with 20, 25% less labor. So while certain people might be getting paid more an hour, there's 25% of this restaurant chain's workforce that's no longer employed in those states because they've had to reinvent the wheel. You've got 20 servers out front, you lose the tip credit, you're going to figure out a way to change your model, especially if those 20 are getting $15 an hour or more. Uh, you're going to figure out a way because there's just what's not factored in this equation is that there's not a commensurate guarantee of increase in sales to pay for this. Right. And everybody thinks that we're loaded. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I mean, everybody thinks there's a pot of gold somewhere that we're going to pull out and make that we're keeping from these people. And it's not, it's just, so maybe we eliminate servers and, and people come in and they sit down and they, look at McDonald's. And they type in their order. Well, that's, yeah, that's what it is. I mean, type in your order. And- traditionally, there's been a very, very volatile situation in our industry because there's the quick service people, the McDonald's, the Arby's and things like that, where, mm-hmm. where minimum wage increase was completely a non-starter. And those people would say, don't raise the minimum wage, get rid of the tip credit. And we, us full service folks would be, you know, because frankly, at seven twenty-five, no one gets paid seven twenty-five an hour in your restaurant. I Nobody, mean, no, if they can no. fog a mirror, they're getting ten bucks an hour. And if you yep. want them to come back, they're going to be getting more than that. You know, if if someone of any skill set at all is going to do that, so you know, so that that. But now McDonald's and all these other companies have accepted the fact that minimum wage is going to go up. They're paying more anyway. And they've made, they've taken steps. They've gotten kiosks out front. They're, they've developed their model to use less employees so that when the wage goes up, they can absorb it. The tip credit, the whole dining concept changes and you get rid of that and then servers are going to be, it'll be retroactive. I mean, it'll be after the fact because we, everybody enjoys our, 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 our model, but it's going to change if things, if the tip credit goes away, it'll change drastically. The bottom line is if they, if they do this, a lot of restaurants are going to uh, go away. They, they're, oh, absolutely. They're not going to be around well, anymore. But service is going to go away. I mean, just service yeah. as we know it is is going gonna, it's, it's to go away. Yeah. yeah. Which is a shame. Which is a shame. <laughs> so hopefully we won't fall into that, uh, that boat. Chris, what is, what is the government trying to solve with the removal of the tip credits? I don't know what they're trying to do. They're, try, they're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. You know, I went and talked to, um, sat in and talked to Bobby Scott, who's the author, one of the authors of this uh, bill. And one of the things that he, and especially his staff were adamant about, was that restaurants were stealing money, that $5.12 from the servers. That we were not, we, we were putting that money in our pockets and, making the customers pay it. And, you know, we try to explain, you know, they do not get shorted anything whatsoever because if they don't make the tips, they, they, um, we make them whole and they make well beyond minimum wage and all these folks. And, you know, one thing about DC, I don't know if y'all know this, but DC actually, the city council passed its own elimination of the tip credit. It got put on a ballot and got approved by the vote and all the waiters and bartenders went apoplectic and, and basically got the city council to repeal and allow tipping. And so that sent a clear message to the politicians so much so that 
one of the caveats in this raise the wage act is they, cause they want to make sure the waiters get their tips. And they say that if a restaurant applies a service charge, that that service charge has to go to the servers. Right now, the IRS says, if you put on an automatic gratuity, that's your income. You have to pay taxes on it. And it's not, so here it is in this same bill, they're doing something completely different because they don't know what the right arm is doing versus the left. They don't know. They don't know their own, own policies. They don't know what they do and how they work practically. So they're trying to fix a problem that yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, and they're blanketing this over all different types of restaurants and making it the, the one size fits all. And I don't think it applies. The same things don't apply to our types of restaurants that apply to ghost kitchens, like you're talking right. about, or apply to, you know, your, your chains. And $15 is different from Fairfax, Virginia to Waverly, Virginia, or Bristol. That I mean, too. and to sit there and, you know, go to some diner where a guy owns the places behind the counter cooking. They got a couple of waitresses there. And I doubt he's making $15 an hour <laughs> with the time he puts in. And to sit there and mandate this across the board where the economy can't support $15 an hour, whereas it might not be enough in Fairfax. I'm not sure about with you all, but how many people have you hired on a second chance? You start taking apart that, you know, someone asked me, what am I going to do if it goes to $15 an hour? Anybody that's making below is not going to have a job. And the people that are getting above 15 are going to get paid a little bit more and do the jobs of the folks that were getting below. So that first rung is unattainable at $15 an hour. Someone, what other, what other industry is going to take someone with no skills whatsoever and bring them on board, train them for free and provide not a dead end job, but it basically a limitless path to growth to go not just in the restaurant business, but to any other job they want to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people don't realize that there's, I mean, the skills you learn in a restaurant translate to many other businesses. Exactly. It makes you very valuable in the workplace and workforce and um, probably a better person mm-hmm. in general. No, the skill set, I don't, I often say I'd take a competent waiter in just about any job. We'd probably do run circles around most folks because a competent waiter is doing so much at one time mm-hmm. and overcoming so many challenges that would side rail a bunch of desk jockeys and staying cool the whole time. Yeah. You can't show it. Tell Pretty you what, those, those days are gone. If we get rid of the tip credit, it will be gone. It's, it's that waiter is not going to, is not going to work his butt off to be super stressed about your happiness at your table, how good your meal is with your, um, on your first date or whatever it is, whatever event that you're having. Yeah. And think about why you go to a restaurant and not to McDonald's. You go for your birthday, your anniversary, your, your life events, family meal, just, yeah, just life events all the time. And you don't want to sit in, I, I should not say McDonald's are going to be upset at me, but I can't remember the last time I went to one of those, but a, a, I was going to say, food not, restaurant there's anything wrong saying, with McDonald's. We should, everybody knows we love Chick-fil-A. So, Yes. And and why do I like Chick-fil-A? And Chick-fil-A, if you want to sponsor if you want to sponsor the podcast, uh, just give us a call. But I like Chick-fil-A because you you drive in there and they are so polite and so well mannered. That's actually almost a misnomer. You can't say Chick-fil-A because their service is outstanding. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. (laughs) They're like, you know, it's a my pleasure. Well, I think that's that's the argument. That's the argument against our points. The food is secondary. We just talked ourselves in a box. Well, I don't tip at Chick Fil A. So let's talk about what's the difference. Why does Chick Fil A have such good service and without tips, without tip credits? I don't know. I want to go to Chick Fil A school. 
it, I think it will improve. Well, my, they do have Chick Fil A school, I and they're it, and they're very concentrated on customer service. Yeah, and they pay very well. Well, I might need a second job. Well, I happen to know that the the minimum wage of fifteen is is will not affect affect Chick Fil A. Chris, what can we do? What can we do to fight this? Not much right now. Here's a quick summary where where we are. The COVID bill is going through. They're trying to attach this to the COVID bill. And it is not a budget item. And it's technically not supposed to be a, and the COVID's part of the budget dealing. And there's what they call a bird rule. You can't add stuff to budget negotiations that are going to take place. Schumer is trying to put it onto the bill. And I think he has. The um, irony of, of eliminating the tip credit on a COVID bill where everybody has been so sympathetic devastated. up until now about, yep. well, up through now continue. And when everybody is so sympathetic to, to our businesses, um, our hospitality businesses, it's, it's un- unbelievable that this is the time to bring that up. And I think that's the point that we made earlier. It's like, why, why are we bringing this up now? It, it, let's kick the can. And it's not kicking the can. It, this is never a good idea. And this is possibly the worst time. Mm-hmm. Not not only it's not like okay, maybe that's their point. It's like oh well, you know, we gave you that this pass when you're so devastated. So now three late, years later into the future, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah, it's it's I, almost like you know they're playing chess with us a little bit because they're making us numb to whatever might happen because it's like I said, never a good idea to do this. And I just can't imagine the incentive to get it done, but somebody is has gotten in, gotten it into their head that we as restaurateurs and it's hotels too, it's everybody, anybody mm-hmm. that uh, would, would valets. I mean, anybody that gets tips has a tip credit. When you start taking that away, I mean, I think you won't you won't have valets anymore because just take a valet who gets that that two thirteen an hour. And and five dollars a car, mm-hmm. so they're gonna. Uh, what company is gonna provide that service if they have to pay their people fifteen dollars an hour? The people they're and, trying to help are the people that are gonna be hurt the most with this. The servers are gonna be hurt the most. Chris, I agree with you, but why? Tell us why that is. Because as I was saying, servers aren't in it to make two thirteen or seven twenty five an hour. They're in it to make twenty five plus an hour. They continue to strive to maximize, and out of all the employees in the restaurant, they're the ones that actually can benefit the most by have the opportunity to increase their money, their pay throughout their work shift. They have the opportunity to do that where everybody else is fixed and set rate. You're going to take this, eliminate the tip credit, and you're going to force these servers into a situation where they are not able to maximize their work effort and get the most they can for it. They're going to be limited to $15 an hour. Chris, thanks for advocating for us restaurateurs. We appreciate what you're doing. We know you're going through a hardship and, and for you to take your time and energy and to, to talk to these congressmen and, and these uh, politicians and try and uh, make things better for us. We, we, we do appreciate your efforts. Well, all I can say is the more folks we can have listening and giving us input. I mean, I often say working with restaurant folks is like herding cats. We just need to get together and, and communicate effectively it's it's interesting. You look at the listening to the radio. The airlines is looking for relief. They their sales are down fifty billion. Um, you took airlines, entertainment, 
I think even sporting events and and one other group combine them all and they don't equal what the restaurants have suffered this year. Wow. $240 billion in sales. Our projected sales were just under a trillion. The multiplier effect of our industry as the second largest private industry employer in the nation is $2.5 trillion. We're an industry made up of small independent businesses like, and there is no industry that is made up of small independent businesses like us. Retail and things like that are, are not nearly to the size we are and retail is losing to the big box stores and the small guys that make up. And of course there's the big shiny chains and all that stuff, but it's small neighborhood restaurants, single operators, chef owned restaurants, you know, small places that, that drive this industry to the size that it is. Was your grandfather an immigrant? Um, yeah, my father, he came here. Your father? Yeah. Your father came here. Yeah. He came here to be a doctor. This is, came here to be a doctor. And you're Greek, right? Cypriot, yeah. Cypriot. Yeah. And ran out of money, started working for his uncle's restaurant, dated the hostess, married the hostess, wanted to go be a medical supply salesman. He says, nope, you're going to go open a restaurant in Virginia Beach. And that's where it is. Well, the thing about our industry, and we're so focused on, on immigrants, Alvin's an immigrant. He's the first generation uh, U.S. citizen in his family. My great grandfather was an immigrant. Your father was an immigrant. This the, our our business is where many immigrants find their American dream, where you can go and you can work hard. You can say, "Look, start with nothing. Start with nothing, nothing. and work nothing. work extremely hard and make it, and mm-hmm. and pass that on." To other people. And we want to increase the immigrants into our country and decrease the opportunity. Because you do take away the opportunity. I mean, starting a restaurant today is a daunting task. And, you know, to sit there and, I mean, you can you can start with next to nothing and make something happen. Through hard work, you can make it happen. But now it's changing so much and there's so many hurdles and yeah. the assumption that we've got the manpower that we've got the office infrastructure to do it. I mean, how many hats do you wear? I mean, <laughs> many hats, many, many hats. I mean, I mean, we're, we're washing dishes and we're cooking and we're serving them. We're answering the phones and human resource department. Yeah, human, you know? yeah. <laughs> on, on Valentine's day, I worked, I worked at LaBella on the, on the line on cooking, the line cooking. And, <laughs> and I came out and somebody asked me, you know what I did? I said, I'm the head dishwasher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we do every day. Sure. He's not okay. kidding. He came. He came by Cobalt after his shift, and he had on his chef coat. I'm like, let me get you a drink. <laughs> he, had, he had a rough day. It's like it's like we're linebackers. Yeah, um, and we're just waiting to see the hole where it happens, and then we fill that hole. But I think it's it's beautiful as immigrants of what we've done. We get to do this and realize our dreams, and then we get to pass on these opportunities to to other people. And like you said, opening a restaurant is daunting. And I started mine 20 years ago with nothing. And now I get to give opportunities to other people to to grow and start their own companies. Not not just restaurant business, but people have gone on to open printing companies and different things just through sales skills and skills that they've learned in the restaurant. And family businesses. There's so few, well, there's so many fewer opportunities for family businesses. The, the mom and pop businesses have been reduced really to restaurants. And what's next? What's next when, when they take those away or when, when it just becomes so hard to do that? I mean, maybe people prefer a world without that, 
but I think that the real experience in 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 hospitality and in food and enjoying yourself at restaurants has to do with the mom and pop places, not corporate. corporate. Social interaction. It's dealing with, with your servers and your cooks. We've taken a few tangents, but I'd really like to focus and, and take a few light minutes and start our lightning round. All right. You ready, Chris? I guess so. All right, Chris. What's your favorite movie? Monty Python, Holy Grail. Oh, good. Oh, nice. All right. A good, good British movie there. I like that. Uh, what is your favorite meal? Uh, New York strip, Pittsburgh style, and just a good vegetable with it. Baked potato? I'll do that. I'll- <laughs> if it's flying across the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh style. Uh, what's the origin of Pittsburgh steak? Well, what I've been told and is that the, all the steel workers would take meat with them and they would cook it on the cauldrons and on the steel stuff and they would just slap the meat on the ironworks that are there they use uh-huh. that's extremely hot and they just basically sear it and it'd be charred on the outside rare in the middle hmm. favorite beverage single malt scotch three words that you think best describe yourself humorous loyal glutton okay glutton like glutton for punishment or like a glutton you like a lot of that single malt I think it covers covers all (laughs) gamuts (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all kind of gluttonous (laughs) in our own ways if you weren't doing this what be what would be your other dream job I'd be an engineer just and I don't think behind the desk but someone that's tinkering putting things together doing stuff what is some of the best advice that you've ever received? And followed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Never sign anything or always read what you sign. Yeah, yeah. That's really good advice. <laughs> yeah. I failed at that twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still paying for it. <laughs> <sighs> if you could be someone, for, someone else for a day, who would it be? Is it historical or just anybody? Anybody, yeah, yeah. Past, could be past, present. Uh, ah, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. Oh. <laughs> 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 I could do a lot of things that way. Yeah, you're just gonna you're just gonna get it right. Get one day right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Five years later. Yep. <laughs> All right. Good lightning round. Chris, thank you for coming and um, shedding your uh, knowledge and insight on on the check thank you for having me we appreciate you being here chris and uh tell us where people can find you at your restaurant black angus restaurant and catering down at seventh and atlantic um been there for i don't know since 85 86 whatever that works out to be but we've been around since for 52 years not quite as old as this place but uh, we've been around for a while there's a reason why you've been around for so long and the website blackangusrestaurant.com and we are thecheckpodcast.com. We are where you can find transcripts from this podcast. Oh, we'll God. Find, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be, there'll be transcripts and photographs and, and all other kind of fun stuff. That's right. Well, once again, thanks, Chris, for being here. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm Alvin. I'm Brady. And this is The, the Check. Check.